Welcome to PBC Talks. If you would like to find out more information, please visit pbc.org.uk. Hey, good morning. And a really, really, really happy Easter to you. So, did you get an Easter egg this morning? If you didn't, you could have had one of these. This is the BBC Good Food magazine Best Supermarket Eggs for 2020. If you are a milk chocolate fan, you could have had this egg, the M&S Fudgy Easter Sunday. Doesn't that look delish? What about the uh, dark chocolate fans? You could go for the Sainsbury's Dark Chocolate Teardrop. Looking pretty good, tasting even better. What about white chocolate fans? Here we go, the cheap version. This is Aldi, the white chocolate ripple egg. Or dairy-free fans, you go to Asda for the special dark chocolate egg. But the kids get to play as well. And how about this one? This comes from Tesco. This is Doug the Dinosaur. It's not an egg, it's a figure. Doug the Dinosaur. And if your name's Judy, did you buy Doug the Dinosaur for your husband this morning? So which egg would you go for? Would you message in? Would it be dark chocolate? Would it be light chocolate? Would it be white chocolate? Would it be dairy-free? Or would it be Doug the Dinosaur? Message in and tell us what you'd love to be eating right now. All right, as the French would say, enough. No more yoking around, because I've got some excellent news for you this morning. I'm going to be telling you the story of Easter, told through the eyes of one of Jesus' best mates, a lady called Mary. You read the story already this morning. Will's already told you it. John chapter 20, verses 1 to 18, the story of Mary. Got it? Here we go. Her real name is Mary Magdalene. And she's a mate of Jesus. In fact, Jesus is not only her friend, but is also her hero. Because earlier on in the Bible, Jesus got rid of seven demons out of her body, seven bits of evil out of her body. So Jesus ain't just her friend, but is her hero. He had freed her. He had released her from the clutches of Satan. And now there she is on Good Friday, standing beneath the cross of Jesus Christ and watching the Son of God watching her friend, watching her hero die on a cross with nails smashed through his wrists and his ankles, dying. If Jesus had failed, then were these demons going to come back to haunt her? Now, it was a Jewish custom back in the day that when someone died, people would go and mourn and grieve at their tomb for at least three days in the belief that the soul of the dead person would still be present. So bang early in the morning on Easter Sunday, Mary legs it to the graveyard where Jesus is buried, just outside of Jerusalem. And as she makes her way to the graveyard, she turns the corner and she gets the first shock of her life in today's story. Because there's the grave, but the enormous stone that is in front of the entrance, that's been rolled in front of the entrance of the grave, is gone, vamushed, disappeared, vanished. It is no longer there. And so Mary freaks, and she legs it all the way back down to Jerusalem to go and wake up two of Jesus' friends, other friends, a guy called Peter, one of the disciples, a guy called John. And together, the three of them, Peter, John, and Mary, leg it back to that graveyard early on that Easter Sunday morning. When they get there, John arrives first because he's younger and he's fitter. 
but it's Peter who's bigger and bolder and rougher and tougher who makes his way first into the tomb. The stone is gone, he walks in, and it is absolutely empty. There's nothing there except in the corner. There seem to be some old bandages. John finally plucks up the courage. He got there first, but he's scared. He goes in to the empty tomb. He sees it's all empty. He sees the grave clothes. And suddenly he believes. Suddenly he realizes it. Suddenly he knows what Jesus was banging on about. Jesus has said that he was going to die. But after three days, he would rise again. Suddenly he realized that all that Jesus had said was true. That Jesus, the Son of God who was dead, who died on that cross on Good Friday, was now alive. And suddenly, the tears and fears of those disciples turned to floods of joy. They left that empty tomb. They legged it back to Jerusalem with the greatest news in the history of the whole wide world. Jesus, who was dead, had defeated death and was alive forevermore. He had risen. But Mary, she didn't understand a thing. What was going on? These disciples, in fear and in tears, had legged it to the graveyard. They'd popped their head into the empty grave, and they had just legged it back, shouting and screaming with joy. And there she was, broken and alone and in tears and in grief, beside the tomb of Jesus. What in the world was going on? She plucked up the courage to go inside that tomb. And then she received shock number two of her life. For in the tomb, it was all empty apart from two people. Two people who were all dressed in white. Two people all dressed in white who looked stunningly like angels. Two people all dressed in white looking stunningly like angels who were staring at her. Two people all dressed in white looking stunningly like angels staring at her and now speaking to her woman. Why are you crying? Mary tells them that someone's stolen Jesus. But as she's speaking those words, she suddenly realizes that right behind her, there's someone standing there. So she turns and she sees Jesus, the risen Jesus, the alive Jesus. He is alive. But despite him being her mate, despite him being her friend, despite him being her Lord, despite him being her hero, Mary doesn't get it. She's so full of tears. She's so full of sadness. She's so broken. She doesn't get that this is Jesus. That standing before her is the lion of the tribe of Judah, but she doesn't get it. Standing before her is the alpha and the omega, but she doesn't get it. The beginning and the end of life, and she doesn't get it. Standing before her is the bread of life. Standing before her is the light of the world. Standing before her is the gate, the good shepherd. Standing before her is he who is the resurrection and the life. Standing before her is the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. Standing before her is the vine. Standing before her is Jesus, the one she's looking for, but she doesn't get it. Such is her tears. Such is her pain. Such is her grief. Woman, who are you looking for? Mary turns around thinking that Jesus is simply a gardener. And she says, if you know where he is, take me to him. And then Jesus speaks one word. And with one word, he remakes Mary's life. Mary. And then Jesus speaks one word. 
and with one word transforms Mary's life. Mary. And then Jesus speaks one word. And suddenly Mary's destiny, Mary's future, Mary's hope, Mary's security, Mary's salvation comes out. Mary. Mary had met with the risen Jesus. Jesus who was dead. Jesus who defeated death. Jesus who was now alive. Jesus who had risen. And so she legs it away from the graveyard, a transformed and changed woman. She had met with Jesus. Jesus had done what he said he would do. Jesus is alive. And she went to go tell Team Jesus the greatest news in the history of the whole wide world. The Jesus who was dead is the Jesus of Easter. Jesus, my friends, is alive. So that's the story of Easter, but, but what on earth does it mean to you and me here today? Where are you? Sat on your sofa, or maybe bouncing on a trampoline, or in your garden, beautiful weather. Uh, maybe you're in the kitchen, maybe you're making pancakes for the family, um, maybe you're upstairs in bed, maybe you're not in Poynton, or you're not in Cheshire, and you're not in Manchester, maybe you're, you're, you're there in Austria, or in Croatia, or in France, or in Germany, or in India, or in Bosnia, wherever you are. What does this story of Jesus mean to you and me today? So for six years, I had the privilege of uh, living in the beautiful, beautiful, beautiful country of France. Now, we, um, we, we British people, we love France, don't we? And we love all things French. Uh, we, we love French cheese, yeah? And we love French wine, and we love French bread, and we love French cars. Uh, all right, maybe not French cars. Um, but we love French fashion. We love, we love the French accent. Uh, and oh la la, we love the French language, don't we? Oh, la langue qui se belle. Um, an English dictionary today is, is practically littered with French words. So in Britain, um, we don't say, that's life, do we? We say, c'est la vie. Uh, we don't say, good appetite. We say, bon appétit. Uh, in Britain, we don't say, with bathroom attached. We say, ensuite. Uh, and in Britain, we, we don't drink our coffee in a cafeteria, Gavna. Uh, no, we drink our coffee in a cafe. And when we send out party invitations to Granny's birthday party, or wedding invitations, or when the Queen sends out invitations to her royal garden parties, she doesn't write at the bottom of that invitation the letters P-R-T-Y. Please reply, thank you. She writes at the bottom, R-S-V-P. R-S-V-P. Répondez, s'il vous plaît. So when you write an invitation to someone, the very last words that you write are RSVP, RSVP, répondez s'il vous plaît. You're desperate for someone you've invited to reply to your invitation, to accept your invitation. Do you know what I mean? When was the last invitation you sent out to someone? I bet you it had the words RSVP at the bottom. Guys, Easter is all about an invitation. It's about the most incredible invitation of all time. It's about God's invitation. The holy God of Israel, the holy God of heaven and earth, is sending at Easter an invitation to you and to me. But at the bottom of that invitation, he's writing these four letters, R-S-V-P, 
Répondez, s'il vous plaît. You see, he wants a response. He wants you and me to accept his invitation. What is his invitation? His invitation is an invitation to know God and to love God. His invitation is an invitation to follow God, an invitation to be rescued by God, an invitation to be saved by God. His invitation is an invitation to spend forever after with God in his home in heaven. This is God's invitation. But God's invitation has those letters at the bottom demanding a response, demanding an RSVP, demanding that you and I accept his invitation. At Easter, God gave the greatest invitation in the history of the whole wide world. On the cross on Good Friday, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, did something incredible for you and me. He took your sin and my sin. He took your wrongdoing and my wrongdoing. He took our turning our back on God. He took our rebellion against God and he died with it. He took the death that you and I deserve because of our rebellion against God. He took the punishment that you and I deserved because of our rebellion against God. He took the suffering that you and I deserved because of our rebellion against God. He took all that stuff, all your rubbish and all my rubbish and all your sin and all my sin and all your parents' sin and all your children's sin. He took all that rubbish and he died with it. He became sin so that we could live. And he took that rubbish and when he was buried in the ground, so that sin and that rubbish was buried in the ground with him forever. But guys, that wasn't the end of the story. Because two days later, on the greatest day in history, on the greatest day the world has ever seen, on that first ever Easter Sunday morning, Jesus came bursting out of that grave, alive, risen, risen and alive with a promise. A promise that if you and I answer his RSVP, if you and I answer his invitation, if you and I say yes to Jesus, if you and I believe in Jesus, if you and I believe in this Easter story, if you and I ask him to save us, then he'll do an incredible thing. He'll go and rescue us. We'll have a life with God that will never, ever end. We'll have a relationship with God that will never, ever get end. We will have eternity forever after with God that will never, ever end. So my friends today, wherever you're sat, on your sofa, on your trampoline, in your garden, in your kitchen, upstairs in the bedroom. Let me ask you a question. God's got an invitation for you this Easter. How are you going to respond? God's writing the letters on that invitation, RSVP. Répondez, s'il vous plaît. How are you going to respond to the invitation that God has got for you this Easter? My friends, we're living in a, in a time of coronavirus and yet God is calling your name back to the story Mary was all confused she was fearful she was worried and so Jesus said Mary today you and I in this coronavirus are, are also scared we're fearful about the future friends are dying friends are suffering our job is no longer secure We're worried about our family. We're worried about our friends. We're worried about our loved ones. And in the midst of the worry, just like Mary, Jesus is calling your name. Calling your name. Let me ask you a question. In this coronavirus, 
Can you afford, can you take the risk of living without the risen Lord Jesus Christ in your life? Let me ask you this question. In this coronavirus, can you take the risk of dying without the risen Lord Jesus in your life? My friends today, there's an invitation. It's a royal invitation. It comes from the King. It's an invitation to be saved and rescued. It's an invitation to spend eternity with God in heaven. It's an invitation to have God in your life right now. How are you going to respond to God's RSVP? Let's pray together. I don't know if perhaps God's been speaking to you over the past few minutes as I've been speaking. I don't know whether you've been thinking about your life, your future, your eternity, your right now. But God's got an invitation for you. If you would like to respond to that RSVP, can I encourage you to do that now? Just pray this prayer with me. Father, I am part of the rebellion. I have joined a group of people who've walked away from you and turned their back on you and rejected you. And yet at this Easter time, at this coronavirus time, I know that I need you. Oh, I need you. So now I'm asking you to rescue me. I'm asking that you would be my rescuer. I'm asking that you would be my saviour. I'm saying yes to Jesus. Right now, right in my bedroom, right in my living room, wherever I am, I'm saying yes to Jesus. I'm saying, Jesus, please come and save me. I'm so sorry for my sins. I'm so sorry for turning against you. Jesus, would you please come and save me? Would you please come and rescue me? I'm answering your invitation, your RSVP. And I'm saying yes. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, if you have prayed that prayer, if you would like Jesus to rescue you, if you would like Jesus to hear your cry, your answer, your RSVP, can I encourage you to do something really, really brave right now? Could I encourage you just simply to message in? Do it publicly. Message in and say, I'm nailing my colors to the mast. I want to belong to this Jesus. I need this Jesus. I want to follow this Jesus. Can you just message in and say, I have decided to follow Jesus. I'm saying yes to Jesus. You can do it online right now. You can do it via our email, ministryteam at pbc.org.uk. You will never regret saying yes to God's invitation. Thanks for listening to this week's talk. Join us next week for another inspirational message.